Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. It's our prayer that this message is a blessing and encouragement to your life. For a list of messages, to stream live services, and for updates about events and more info, visit lifechurchroa.org. Thanks for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. All right, we're starting a new series today called Gate Smashers. So look at your neighbor. Somebody say Gate Smashers. All right, let's try it one more time. I need some, I need some oomph behind that. It was a, a late Saturday night. Say, gate smashers. All right, I'm just making sure everybody's awake because Jesus is going to tell the disciples to wake up today, and he's going to tell us to do the same thing. Okay? Now, last week, we started a new series called Gate Smashers, and this series is all about this idea that we live in a world that, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, we've been in this idea that the enemy is, is, is attacking and on the offensive, and we're, we're kind of on the defensive. We're just defending against attack after attack, and the reality is, is that Jesus, when Jesus died and rose again, he put hell on notice, and he said, I don't care what you think, the victory is for me and my church. That ought to get somebody excited this morning, right? So Jesus, we're gonna, I'm, I'm going to give you just a little, a little catch up, okay? A little catch up from last week if you weren't here. Last week we started this series and we learned that Jesus had this question for his disciples and this question just reverberates through all of history and it's very simple. Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Jesus wants to know. He, he takes his disciples to this place called Caesarea Philippi where all this pagan, terrible worship is happening, right? They're worshiping all these false gods and in the background is this huge mountain with a big cave and they thought that the gods used the cave as an entrance to the underworld. And so they called it the gates of Hades. And so Jesus standing with his disciples, I don't know if y'all nerd out about Bible like I do, but I nerd out about the Bible. And Jesus is standing with his disciples and he says this, I will build my church. I want you to feel the ownership of that. There was an emphasis, I'm convinced Jesus emphasized I. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I will give you the keys to the kingdom and anything that you use those keys to lock up here on earth will be locked up in heaven. Anything you use those keys to open and let out here on earth are gonna be let loose in heaven. And he says to the disciples, you are gay smashers. The enemy has all these strongholds. Gates are meant to keep people out of a place, like a city gate. It's meant to protect the people inside. The enemy thinks he's safe. The enemy thinks he's okay in his strongholds, but Jesus says, no, 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 no. You don't understand. The church is coming. Satan, the church is coming. Satan, the church is coming for those that you have bound up in addiction. The church is coming for those that you have bound up In all of these things, the church is coming for those who feel like that there's nothing for them. You see, he's made the church something more than what we have, than what sometimes we even imagine it to be. The church isn't a place where we come and we, and we decide, okay, we're going to get into this place and we're going to be okay while we're here. And then we're going to go out in the world. It's going to be tough. It's going to be awful. But here, man, we're safe here. We're okay. No, 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 no. The church is not a defensive building. 
It's an offensive body. Jesus handed us the ball. Remember last week? You remember the coach jumping up and down telling you to run? If you weren't here, you missed a great laugh because I jumped. And so you need to go back and watch it. Jesus' question that he asked the disciples reveals something about his church. Anybody feel that this week? You're walking around and you're reminded that you're a gate smasher. Let me tell you a secret. When you start, when you start, when it starts clicking that you're a gate smasher and you start walking around like that with the authority of Jesus Christ, the enemy is not going to like it. You're going to start noticing some strongholds that you didn't even know were there. Okay? You might have problems at work that you didn't, that you've never had before. Some issues at home that you never saw coming. You might go to the store and that cashier is just extra grumpy with you today. Okay? Because what happens is the enemy doesn't like it when we start to smash his strongholds. He doesn't like it when we start to free people from his grasp. Jude tells us where to go and snatch people from the fire. And you got to feel that, man. That, that's going to be a part of what happens when you decide you're going to be a gate smasher. This is empowering. In no uncertain terms, Jesus is telling his disciples that his power empowers us and the perceived strength of the enemy is nothing but that perceived. I love this. Jesus takes his disciples to this place and he says, I'm going to build my church in the midst of all of this and nothing will come over it. That's a little catch up on what we talked about last week. This week, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 21 today. Matthew 16, 21. It's right after everything we talked about last Sunday. We're just following along with scripture now here in Matthew. Okay. We started in Matthew 16 a little earlier in the book. Now we're going to go a little further, a little further into it because Jesus isn't just going to tell them that you're a gate smasher, you're a freedom fighter. Now he's going to talk about what that really means on a personal level and on a, on a larger level as the church. He's going to tell them probably one of the hardest things they're ever going to have to hear because they've just been told they're going to be empowered. They've just been told all this is going to happen, all this amazing stuff. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. There was this moment of, of victory and Jesus is now going to come and tell them something that's going to take the wind out a little bit and it's going to put the pressure on them to step up. It's going to put the pressure on them to take up and step up. In fact, if I was going to title this message today, that's what I'd call it. Take up and step up. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. Take up, step up. And I want you to capitalize up. Really big letters. Because so many times we hunker down in a defensive posture and just take what the enemy is throwing. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. That isn't what the church does. The church has to take up and step up. All right, are you in Matthew 16? If you're there, say I'm there. If you need a minute, say I need a minute. Okay, good. We're gonna keep going. Here we go. I'm reading from the NIV today. It says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. Somebody say must. Yeah. 
Don't forget that word. We're gonna come back to it. Jesus must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed on the third day, be raised to life. Now, this is gonna come as a huge shock to the disciples. They just fully understood that Jesus was like, he said, who do you say I am? Peter, being Peter, steps up and speaks for everybody in the group, and he says, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Proud of himself and everyone else proud of him. Even Jesus says, Peter, it's not flesh and blood that revealed this to you, but God, Peter just had a moment. Have you ever felt like God just spoke to you, even if it wasn't like a Morgan Freeman audible voice, but you knew that God had directed you? It wasn't this, this is God moment, but you just knew. Peter got the voice of Jesus saying, you're right. You got it. Jesus was celebrating what was happening here. That's a big deal, right? Peter's probably feeling great in the moment. Everybody else stood around. That was gonna be my answer. He stole it, right? Y'all know how church people are, right? You get your hand up second to answer a question. You didn't answer the first 10, but this one you got. You throw your hand up, but somebody beat you to it. And so we start with the other person and they give an answer and you're like, oh, I just knew sister so-and-so was going to say it. I was trying to beat her, right? Y'all know John, John, John and the disciples, he was probably like, yeah, I was going to say that. Jesus loves me more. That's what he does. That's the inside joke for John. If you don't know, John always talks about how he's the one that Jesus loved. Okay, and so we have this moment, right? But this is a big moment where Jesus is dropping a bomb on them. I need you to understand the magnitude of what's happening here because if we don't understand this, we're not gonna understand the rest of what happens. They just had this great big mountaintop experience and now Jesus is dropping a bomb and blowing up their mountain. He's the Messiah, the Son of God and Jesus says, yes, you finally got it and it wasn't man that revealed it to you, it was my Father. You're listening to God, you're finally getting it, you're finally beginning to feel something and understand what God is doing inside of you. And then Jesus says, oh, by the way, now that you are beginning to understand what it means to be my church, I've got this thing I've got to go face. And it's going to be tough. I'm going to leave Caesarea Philippi. We're all going to leave. We're going to head towards Jerusalem. When we get to Jerusalem, it's going to be the last time we enter Jerusalem before I die. That bomb being dropped, that death, negated everything that was said after that. You, you ever, you ever, somebody ever told you something and they dropped a big bomb and then you didn't hear the rest of it? Sometimes when I preach, I say things and, and, and people, people hold on to the thing that I said and then they, didn't, they never hear what I said afterwards because what I said was such a big drop to them. This is that moment for the disciples, Okay. This is the moment. Jesus says, I'm going to die. What they didn't hear and what they didn't pay attention to was that he was going to raise again. And you can, you can see why maybe they didn't, right? You, you, you understand the gravity of the situation. They're in this mountaintop experience. Jesus comes and he blows up the mountain. Because there's a reality to what's happening 
in the world and in this moment, Jesus didn't come just to set up the disciples. He came to save the world and to save the world, he was gonna have to die. He's not gonna stop here though, and this is the crazy part, he's gonna keep going, okay? He's gonna keep going. He, you know, here's the thing, they were expecting a Messiah that was gonna come and overthrow Rome, a Messiah that was going to, to do all these things. They weren't expecting a, a Messiah who was gonna go die. They were looking for someone to overtake Rome. They fully understood that Jesus was the Messiah, but fully understanding that Jesus is the Messiah doesn't mean you understand what the Messiah was. And they didn't. You also have to understand the extent of his mission. Jesus didn't come to just free those people, right? He didn't just come to free that group of people. He came to free everyone. You and me. You and me from death, right? The, 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 the great enemy of humanity, death, he came to set us free from that. And the disciples didn't understand that in this moment. Jesus wasn't looking to smash the gates of Rome and only free a few people. His plan was bigger than that. His plan was to smash the gates of hell and free people from the bondage of sin, the certainty of death, the anxiety of separation, the finality of the grave, to snatch people from the fire. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Oh man, y'all missed a great amen moment. That was a, that was a build up moment. We're going we're, we're gonna to do that again, okay? Because like I wrote in my notes, they're going to say amen. And nobody did it. Nobody. So we're going to try that one more time. When I say this is the gospel, I want you to get excited. And we're going to try that again. You ready? Okay. Jesus was not looking to smash the gates of Rome and only, a few, and free, only free a few people. See, now I, did, I messed it up. We're going, to, we're going to do it one more time. Here we go. Jesus was not looking to smash the gates of Rome and only free a few people. His plan was bigger than that. His plan was, listen to this, to smash the gates of hell and free the people from the bondage of sin, the certainty of death, the anxiety of separation, the finality of the grave, to literally snatch people from the flames of hell. This is the gospel. Amen. Come on, now you got it. You got to anticipate those moments. I need you. Okay, I need you to anticipate those moments for me. All right, all right. I'm gonna start giving y'all my notes so you know when to say amen, all right? <laughs> it's a joke. If you're a guest, I'm sorry. This is who I am. You're just gonna have to forgive me. Uh, this is, <laughs> good job. Uh, this is the kind of spiritual warfare that has some harsh realities and heavy costs to it, Okay. He is, he is preparing the disciples for what it really means to be at war. Because for so long, they've, just, they've kind of lived in the, the defense of Jesus's bubble. Jesus was there protecting them when they couldn't cast out demons. Guess who could? Jesus. When they couldn't figure out that it didn't matter who was the best among them, but what mattered was who was the least. Jesus was there. When they couldn't decide whether or not they needed to go fishing for fish or fishing for people, Jesus was there to protect them. When the Pharisees came against them and said, why don't your, your disciples do this or that? Jesus was there, but he's about to be gone. He's about to leave the church with some authority. 
He's about to tell the church they've got to be on the offensive, not the defensive. He's about to let them go to war spiritually. He's about to partner with the church and say, I need you to smash the gates of hell. I need you to storm the gates. I need you to go after people because there are people who are separated and the anxiety of that separation is, is killing them. There are people who are stuck in bondage of sin and that bondage has them so they can't even move. They're wrapped up so tight. I need you to go in after them because if somebody doesn't go in after them, they're never gonna get out. He's prepping them. Matthew uses the word must for what Jesus has to do. He must go, must suffer, must die. Not in some unqualified determinism, not not in some heroic determinism, but I want you to understand Jesus wasn't doing it because he wanted to be the hero. He wasn't doing it because he was just determined to do it. You ever met somebody who's just determined to do something? You can't talk them out of it. And the only reason they really want to do it is because somebody told them they couldn't. That's every teenager in the world, including all of y'all sitting here that were teenagers before. Okay? That's every one of us. And he's telling them, he's telling them, no, 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 no. I'm not going because I want to be a hero. I'm going because it's the will of the Father. I'm going because God needs me to go, because this world needs me to go, because I'm a gay smasher and a freedom fighter. Jesus was the first one. He was literally the first one to storm the gates of hell. What happens when he, when he dies? The keys of the kingdom were given to him, right? He, he goes down, he knocks down the gates of hell. He puts Satan on notice. He says, listen, I know you thought you won, but I'm here now. And my church, they're coming for you. They're they're not coming for the people you've put in bondage. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers of darkness. My fight is not, not with the one who's in bondage, the one who's separated. My fight's with the enemy who's kept them there. A little side note for you. A sermon within a sermon. If you start looking at people the way Jesus looks like it, looks at them and stop looking at them as the enemy, your world will change. Your world will change. That's what he's, t- he's telling the disciples here. You're t- he's telling the disciples here, I need you to do this. I'm not going to Jerusalem to be killed because I want to be a hero. I'm going to Jerusalem to hang on a cross because that's what the father needs me to do. Sometimes the battles we're fighting are so bitter, so brutal, and so burdensome. We're blinded to the victory that's already in sight. The disciples never heard. I don't, I don't believe they ever heard him say he would be raised again in this statement. I believe all they heard was he was, gonna, he was going to his death. And the bitterness of that, the brutalness of that bomb that was dropped on them, the burden that they felt blinded to the victory that Jesus had told them was already theirs. I'm going to Jerusalem to die. I'm also going to Jerusalem to be resurrected. Come on. Come on. Don't listen. The death of Jesus, the death of, of, uh, and, and him going to the cross for us is important. But can I tell you what's of the utmost importance is the fact that he's a living God. That we sang it today that there is no body and no body in the grave. Right? 
So what happens? The disciples are messed up by this. They can't see the victory. I want you to look at how messed up they are. Peter took him aside. Verse 22, Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? I want you to think about what that might look like. Okay. I want, you, I want you to just wrap your head around what that might look like and how that might feel. And I love that, that it says he began to rebuke Jesus. He says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned it. I just, man, it's so sharp. It had to be. Right, Jesus is kind of, Peter pulls him off to the side and he's, he's probably got him by, and he says, this is never gonna happen to you. Like I want you to understand, he didn't just say, Jesus, there's, he, Jesus, please tell me this isn't true. Please tell me this. He says, no way, not gonna happen. I am not moving off this. And he begins to rebuke him. He doesn't just talk to him about it, he rebukes him. He says, you're wrong. There's no way you came just to die. And Jesus turns and gives him a cutting look. I'm positive. I'm positive. And if I'm wrong, you can take it up with me in heaven. He says, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. Get behind me, Satan. He says, you're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the concerns of God. but merely human concerns. Talk about a harsh rebuke. Talk about something you don't want to hear from Jesus. Let me tell you, when you start to rebuke Jesus, he's going to tell you what's up. And he did. Because he's trying to get them to understand something that he's trying to get us to understand. Okay? Peter is a remarkable character. And at this first meeting of, at his first meeting of Jesus, Jesus changes his name from Simon to Peter and Peter's got no issue with it, right? Peter, just a couple chapters before this, is willing to step out of the boat with Jesus onto the water, right? Like, like, Like he was standing on the edge and he says that water's gonna catch me and he just steps. I'm only two feet, three feet off the ground. Right? And my faith ain't such. I'm going to fall. Okay? Just to test that theory in case Jesus wants to do something really cool. Okay. Needed to check. Church will be filled up next week if that happened. (laughs) Peter had no issue with that. Just a couple chapters before this, Peter is, is... he talks a lot, right? He's the big guy with the ball last week. And sometimes he's awesome and other times he forgets which way to run. In this case, Peter has some incredible boldness. I love it, it's misplaced, but it's boldness. He says, Jesus, you're wrong. I I just can't even fathom. Albeit, Boldness misplaced and misguided. He's incredibly bold. He rebukes Jesus. Most of us don't want to imagine, but the vast majority of us have really done this to Jesus. The amazing thing about having a relationship with Jesus versus just knowing of him is that relationships require communication and growth. Just knowing of someone has no obligation to communicate or grow, right? I know lots of celebrities, right? But, you know, I don't know them. I know of them, right? 
but I don't know them. And Jesus wants us to, to, to not just know of him, but to know him. And so Peter's relationship is such that he can actually say some hard things to Jesus. And Jesus, loves, I love it because he allows us to say those things, even if he has to come back and correct us. He could have just zipped Peter's mouth up before he even said anything. Jesus knew what was happening. He knew what was going on. So Jesus, while he doesn't like what Peter has to say, doesn't just drop him like a hot potato or for for you who are a bit younger in the room, Jesus doesn't leave Peter on red. And if you don't know what that means, find a young person and ask him. It'll be a great conversation starter and will help you both practice one of our core values. Community is our foundation. So Peter pulls Jesus to the side, says, are you crazy? This is never gonna happen. You're the Messiah, the Savior, our hope. You can't and won't die. He doesn't understand. He doesn't just, he doesn't just tell him he's wrong. He tells him he's wrong to even consider it, to even think about it. There's no way that God the Father wants you to do this, Jesus. Now remember, last week, Peter was the one who heard from God. This week, he's hearing from somebody else. Peter didn't even get the full rebuke of Jesus out before Jesus stopped him. I'm convinced that Peter believed that he had heard from God that this was not gonna happen. But there was a breakdown in his understanding and his ability to hear God, right? What do I mean by that? Well, Peter's Peter's words didn't align with scripture. Scripture talked about it all the way back to Isaiah 53. It says that the Messiah must die and must raise again on the third day. What Peter said didn't line up with the word of God. And so Jesus told him he was wrong. Can I tell you something? When we say things that don't line up with the word of God, we're wrong. You wanna be a gate smasher? You wanna be a freedom fighter? You gotta understand the word of God. You gotta let it speak to you. You can't just make it up as you go. Secondly, what Peter said was in contradiction to his spiritual authority. Jesus didn't let him finish and he interrupts him with an extremely strong rebuke. Here's what he tells him. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. He says, wake up. Peter, wake up. You were just used by God to voice the most incredible answer you could have given. And now you're being used by the enemy to try to hold me back. He calls him Satan. You know, there was another time when Jesus was challenged to take authority without dying. It was right after his baptism, right after he'd come out into into public ministry, he goes to the wilderness and he's tempted there by who? Satan, right? And in the temptation, Satan says, I'll give you everything. I'll give you the whole world. Everything you see, it's yours. Just don't do the will of God. Basically what he says. You can go read it. It it, it it doesn't say it specifically like that, but that's what he's telling him to do. Just don't follow the will of God. Don't follow the Father. You don't have to die to to be king, is what he says. Peter's telling him the same thing. You want to be the Messiah? That's fine. Be the Messiah. You don't have to die to be the Messiah. And Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. I got to do the will of the Father. And then he calls him Satan. He doesn't just call him Satan because he wants to be mean. He calls him Satan because he's literally doing what Satan did. Peter's doing exactly what the enemy had done. You don't have to die to be the Messiah. That was a lie. That was a lie. 
And Peter's now doing that. So Jesus tells him, you gotta wake up. You're living in a dream world, Peter. This must happen is what scripture says. He wakes Peter up with a statement, get behind me, Satan. Can you imagine? Somebody said that? Get behind me, Satan, you'd be, you, you'd be woke up. You'd probably be offended. You come to me and talk to me, you say something to me, I say, get behind me, Satan. You wouldn't be happy with me. All right? Some of y'all, some of y'all, might, some of y'all might put me in my place. But Jesus needs to wake Peter up. He's living in this dream world. Talk about a wake-up call. This is a, an interesting statement from Jesus because of what he's been through. Does Jesus really think that Peter is Satan? No, but he knows he's being used by him. This is a gate. This is a stronghold that Jesus is going to have to break through with Peter. Wake up, Peter, because we got a problem. Jesus tells Peter to wake up to the realities. He must go, must die, and must be raised again. And that doesn't stop. He doesn't stop there. And I love this because he, he tells Peter, you don't only have to wake up, but you've got to shape up. This was a strong rebuke from Jesus. Peter just spoken as a messenger of God and now of Satan. Jesus knew that Peter was being used for a satanic purpose to discourage him from his ministry on the cross, and Jesus wasn't going to allow it. He wasn't going to allow the enemy a stronghold in his life. And so he tells Peter, you got to wake up and shape up, man. Come on. Because I'm going to need you to do something. He, he, he's about to ask Peter to do something and the disciples to do something and us to do something that if we're not woke up to, if we're not shaped up, we're not going to be able to do. It's coming. The big, the big reveal is coming from Jesus about what we've got to do to be gate smashers and freedom fighters. If what we say is that Jesus is the Messiah and what we say is that, and he tells us, then you're gate smashers and freedom fighters. There's gonna be some action on our part and he's about to lay it out, but he needs Peter to wake up because Peter's, Peter's in some kind of dreamland like this isn't gonna happen. Then he needs him to shape up because now he's acting like Satan. You ever met a Christian acting like Satan? Yeah, come on. Most of us have done that ourselves. Been used by the enemy. Peter's being used by the enemy here and Jesus is saying, you gotta wake up and shape up. Peter had taken on a role here that was not created for him. He wasn't Jesus' leader. His place was behind Jesus, not in front of him. So Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I need you to wake up. I need you to shape up. It was his place to follow Jesus in this path, not try to lead him a different way. Peter was all bent out of shape and living in a dream world. He was so bent out of shape that he had become a stumbling block. The King James Version says that he was an offense to Jesus. He was an offense to Jesus, not playing offense, but he was an offense. Jesus, he, he was struggling, okay? And so Jesus comes back at him with this and he offends at me, that being an offense meaning an affront or an insult, some, some, something that offends. Jesus wants his church to be on the offensive but not to offend him. I wonder if you looked at your life if there were some things. If we took a real look at our life, are there some things that offend Jesus Christ? Some things that we need to shape up. Your wake-up call is not to be used by the enemy. That's the wake-up call. Don't get in the way of what God's doing because the enemy wants you in the way. Wake up. 
Don't get bent out of shape from what the will of God is. You got to shape up. You got some things in your life that got you bent out of shape that offend God. It's time to repent. Tells Peter, wake up and repent, shape up and repent. And I love this because Jesus doesn't stop because he's, he's about to drop another bomb on them. He's about to tell them something that's gonna change the trajectory of their lives. And in a matter of minutes, in a matter of minutes, Jesus tells Peter that his mind and his mouth and vacillated, went back and forth between God's word and Satan's wile. And Jesus' strong words were a challenge to Peter to wake up to reality, shape up his position and place. And then he tells him, thirdly, that he's got to make up his mind. So he's got to wake up, shape up, make up. Jesus exposes how Peter came into this way of thinking. He didn't make a deliberate choice to reject God and embrace Satan. He simply let his mind settle on human things instead of the concerns of God. For a split second, Peter wanted the Messiah who would come and overtake Rome instead of the Messiah who was going to come and take out sin. And Satan took advantage of it. Peter's a perfect example of how a sincere, a sincere heart coupled with the thinking of our, our thinking, the thinking of man, can often lead to disaster. Peter's rebuke of Jesus is evidence to what Jesus had taught them about right before they came to Caesarea Philippi. He told them to be on guard against, he called it the yeast of the Pharisees. Here's what he was telling them. Be careful because just a little bit of yeast can ruin the whole thing. And just a little bit of sin, church, just a little bit, just a little bit of thinking like Satan instead of thinking like Jesus, just a little bit of allowing him, allow him just a little bit and the whole thing's ruined. He's warning, warning Peter, you gotta make up your mind, man. This is the moment you gotta make up your mind because I've just, I, just, I just said that the church, that I'm gonna build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. I'm gonna give you the keys to the kingdom. And Peter, you're a big part of that, but you, you, you gotta wake up, shape up and make up your mind. It's time. He puts Peter on blast here. He tells him, it's time, you gotta do something. Now, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he's not gonna leave Peter and the disciples here. He's, he's gonna bring them along a little further. Because he brings them along, we get to go along too, but if we're going to get to the lesson of all this and why Jesus is saying this, we have to ourselves wake up, shape up, and make up our minds. We gotta wake up to the reality that God's will must happen He's laid out a plan for us to go and make disciples. We're gate smashers and freedom fighters and this is our reality. There is not another reality for us as the church. Because, because of this, the enemy is trying to keep us at bay, to push us away from his strongholds. Romans 13, 11 says, and do this, understanding the present time, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. So if you're in this room today and you're an unbeliever, I think Jesus is telling you to wake up. We all, if you're a believer, we've all had to do this. 
We've all had to wake up, had to wake up to the reality that Jesus did something for us that we could never do for ourselves. What is, what is his salvation? I'm, I'm gonna tell you, his salvation to me means everything. Because there are, there, are a multi, there are a multitude of reasons why, but I gotta tell you, I don't know where I would be without Jesus. I grew up in a, in a world, in a place that, that should have had me separated from God. That should have had me burdened and, 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 and pushed away from the things of God. Yet in his providence, in, in his will, he placed me in the path of people who love me enough to tell me about Jesus and his love for me. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm gonna tell you, you're in, you're in the path today because he loves you. He came and died for you. We sang that song, there's nobody in the grave, okay? There's nobody in the grave. He rose again. If you're a believer today, you're not off the hook. It's time to wake up. Your family needs you. Your church needs you. Your community needs you. Your workplace needs you. You gotta wake up. Well, pastor, I'm retired. Hey, your friends need you. Well, pastor, everybody I know is saved and you need to find somebody who's unsaved because there's at least 98,000 of them in our immediate area. I've done the study. Took me a week and a half. 98,000 people that are not born again believers in Jesus in Roanoke City, Roanoke County, and Salem. We gotta wake up to that reality. Jesus is telling Peter, wake up to the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. You can have life. You can have it abundantly. You can have it eternally. Victory is yours. Repent. He t- he's telling Peter, look, you gotta wake up and you gotta repent because what you just said doesn't make any sense. What you just said puts you in the category of Satan, not the category of God. Wake up. Unbeliever, it's time to wake up. Believer, it's time to wake up today. Repent means to turn away from sin, the thing that offends God, and and turn towards him. Wake up. We gotta shape up our lives. Peter had become a stumbling block. He was no longer the rock right? He was no longer Peter, the rock that was, that was going to, he was no longer going to be what Jesus needed him to be. Now he was a stumbling block. Can you imagine that name change? You're no longer something strong that can help. You're something in the way. You got to shape up. He tells him it's time. Worship team, you can go ahead and come. It's time to shape up. Unbeliever, who has believed, maybe you're here today and you're an unbeliever in this moment. Maybe you, maybe you have stepped away from God, but today in this place, you have believed, you, you know the truth, you know why following Jesus is important, but you're bent out of shape today. It's time to shape up. Believer, it's time to shape up. Maybe you're upset, angry, hurt, offended, mad, out of shape about something. You're bent out of shape about something that's happened, something that's going on. You got a, a fellow, a, a fellow Christian in your life that you've been out of shape over that you can't, that you can't, you guys can't seem to come together in unity. Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter four, he says, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. Your calling is to be a gate smasher. Your calling is to be a freedom fighter. It's to be the church of Jesus Christ. And so if you're bent out of shape, today's the day to repent and get in shape. It's time to shape up. 
We gotta make up our minds. There's an old hymn that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. Listen to the words. Though none go with me, I still will follow. My cross I'll carry till Jesus, or till I see Jesus, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. You gotta make up your mind. You can't just decide to think like the world at any given moment and think like Christ in another moment. You gotta always think like the Father. You gotta always think like God. If you're an unbeliever in this place today, today's the day to make up your mind to follow Jesus. If you're on the fence, today's the day. If you're a believer, today's the day to make up your mind. Today's the day to make up your mind. I will follow Jesus wherever it leads me. And here's the cool part. Jesus is gonna tell you where it leads you. In fact, this is all leading up to Jesus explaining why gate smashers and freedom fighters have to wake up, shape up, and make up. Let's keep reading. Verse 24 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. Somebody say, take up. Got to deny yourself, take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Jesus ended up saying, truly I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see this a man coming in his kingdom. This was a word spoken to the disciples of Jesus, people who genuinely wanted to follow him. I want you to understand that. If you're here today and you think, you think man, this, this message is for, really for unbelievers, not for me. Jesus was talking to his disciples when he said it. It was bad enough for them to hear that Jesus would suffer, but now he's telling them also that they would. Everybody knew what Jesus meant when he said this, when he said to take up your cross. Everybody knew that the cross was an unrelenting instrument of death. It had no other purpose. Here's the thing about carrying your cross. If you were carrying one, you knew you couldn't save yourself. In that world, if you were set to die by crucifixion and you picked up the cross, the only end for you was death. There wasn't another way out. Nobody was going to go up on the cross for you. Nobody was coming with mercy. And Jesus says, I want you to take up your cross and follow me. Denying self is not the same as self-denial. We practice self-denial when for a good purpose, we occasionally give up things or activities. But we deny self when we surrender ourselves to Christ and determine to obey His will. When we wake up, 
shape up and make up our mind, that's the moment that we can take up our cross and step up and follow Jesus. That's the moment. Take up their cross and step up and follow me is what he said. Our human nature is to indulge self, not to deny self. This whole time, Jesus has been telling them to wake up, shape up, make up. Because he says, my church, the victorious ones, they're ones who will be gate smashers and freedom fighters and they've got to take up their cross and follow me. They've got to step up. Why would we need to take up our cross to follow Jesus? Well, when you trust Jesus, there's only one logical conclusion to the issue of death. You ready for this? Resurrection. There's only one logical conclusion to death when you're following Jesus, and that's life. He brings to life what is dead. You and I, we were dead. But when we take up our cross and we follow him, we step up. When we take up our cross and put the old self to death and wake up, shape up, and make up, we're given a new life. We might be able to gain the whole world without this, but in the end, if we lose our soul, we have nothing. This is as much about us as it is about those people that were called to go free. Gay masters and freedom fighters. If we're gonna smash the enemy's gates, snatch others from the flames, it'll require that we take up our cross and step up and follow Jesus. Should you bow your heads and close your eyes all across the room? I only ask you that so you can have a moment with God, you and God. Don't tune me out yet, we're almost done. You're gonna make it to the restaurant in plenty of time. But some of us need to encounter Jesus today. I'll go along. All of us need to. Simple questions today. I presented the gospel to you. If you're in this room and you don't know Jesus, here's the first question. Do you need to wake up to a reality today and repent and be saved? Do you need to wake up to the reality that you can't save yourself? that what is waiting for you is not good. It's separation from God, eternally separated in a place of pain and anguish. And I'll tell you that to scare you. I tell you that so you'll understand. Are you here today and you need Jesus? It's very simple. He made it easy. He did the hard part here. He said, if you'll confess me before man, I'll confess you before my father. And so today, if you need his salvation, you need to repent of your sin, accept Jesus as your savior. He's asking you today, who do you say I am? He's got what you are. The moment you accept that, he's gonna call you a gate smasher and a freedom fighter. So today, if that's you and you would say, I need 
to wake up to the reality today, repent and be saved. I need to turn away from my ways and turn towards God's ways. And I wanna do that today. I want you just to slip up your hand right there where you're at. I don't ever wanna assume that everybody in the room knows Jesus. All right, I hope that what that means is that everybody does. Here's the second, second challenge for you today. Maybe you know Jesus, but you need to shape up your life because you've been out of shape. Shaping up our lives begins with repenting. When Jesus calls you Satan, the first step is repentance. That's what Peter had to do. (laughs) He was bent out of shape. And maybe Jesus wouldn't be as harsh for what's going on in your life, but you know. You know that you're bent out of shape. And today you would say, I wanna repent for being bent out of shape because I need Jesus to change me, to shape me up because I want to take up my cross and follow him. If that's you today, saved. But I've been out of shape about some things. I found myself mixed in with some sin that I should be mixed up with. I find myself angry at people that I, that I need to love. I find myself upset with people that God's called me to love. I found myself in this place of anxiety And God's calling me an anxiety of separation because I'm I'm doing something specifically that's pulled me away from him. But today I would say I need to shape up. I want you to slip up your hand. Keep it up for just a second. You won't be alone. There's, There's hands going up. I gotta shape up. All right, you can put them down. We're gonna pray in just a minute. Maybe today you find yourself in between the, thought, the thoughts of the world and the way the world thinks and the way Jesus thinks. And your mind's not made up. You find yourself being a, 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 a voice both for God and at times for the enemy. You don't, you don't do it on purpose, but there's, there's a... There's a handhold or a foothold that the enemy has that sometimes your thoughts, maybe even your mouth, <laughs> pushes you into a place where you would say, I just, I just need to turn those things over to God. I need to make up my mind. And Jesus, I'm gonna make up my mind today to, to act like, think like, speak like you. If that's you, I want you to slip up your hand. Keep it up for just a second. You won't be alone. There's hands going up. Anybody else before we move on? All right, you can put them down. All across the room, I want to invite you to stand. We're going to pray for those who raised their hand. I'm going to I'm gonna challenge you to do this. If you raised your hand, I, I'm gonna challenge you to step out from where you're at and just come to the front. We're not gonna make you tell everybody anything. Or I'm just, I just wanna pray with you quickly. I just wanna come down the line and pray with you. If you raised your hand, come on, for any reason, any of those reasons, I want you to come out and just stretch across the front. We're gonna pray for you really quickly, okay? 
Come on up. If you raised your hand, there were more people that raised your hand. If you didn't raise your hand, but you should have raised your hand, come up, okay? And we're gonna pray for you here in just a second. I've got one last thing. Everybody, eyes open, look at me. If, if wake up, shape up, and make up wasn't what convicted you today, wasn't what the Holy Spirit was speaking to you today, can I tell you what he is speaking to you? Take up and step up. Take up and step up. Take up your cross, step up and follow Jesus. He's speaking that to every one of us today. Whether you're standing up here up front or you're standing back there in the seats. So here's my challenge to you. The worship team is gonna begin to sing. And I want you to praise like a people that have taken up a cross and are walking behind Jesus that are stepping up, getting ready to go out into the world and smash some gates. Not be somebody who closes up some gates, but somebody who's going out to smash some gates, somebody who's going out to free some people. As we pray for these, I'm gonna pray very briefly for these while they lead us in a song. And I'm gonna challenge you to praise and, and, and pray for these who are up here also. It's brave to step out. And it's important that we support that and we pray for them. And so that's my challenge to you as they lead us in a song. I want you to pray. I want you to praise as, a, as, as best you can. Take up your cross and step up and follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Don't forget to visit us at LifeChurchROA on Instagram and Facebook for updates, service times, and ways to get involved. If you made a decision to follow Jesus today, we would love to partner with you on your next steps. Visit LifeChurchROA.org Jesus to learn more. We love you and we can't wait to see you soon.